It is time for midday here on this 21st day of December. Thanks for joining us wherever you may be listening. We're certainly glad to be a part of it. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports coming up in just a couple of minutes. Bob Rogan will give us a preview of the business report also in a couple of minutes as well. Things warming up nicely here on what is supposed to be or what is the first day of winter, but not feeling like it at all as we're seeing temperatures in the 40s and 50s already across much of our listening area. But let's turn over to Bryce Duskett, who's over in our studios in Lincoln. And Bryce, how are things uh, in Lincoln? Looks like uh, things are warming up out there. Well, it's sunny. We'll take that as a win. And uh, as we enter winter, we're one day closer to summer. Just six months away now, the official start of summer. <laughs> Good observation there. You, uh, you're you not wrong. 50 degrees, by the way, right now as well. That's solid logic, Bryce. Solid hey, thank logic. you. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. What do you have for us here on this Monday? Well, coming up with the farm team, we'll kick it off at 1219. Chabella will be visiting with the policy director at the Center for Rural Affairs as they talk about a meat processing bill. At 12.45, Nebraska Extension educator Kathleen Q will explain how to take care of the flower poinsettias year-round. I'll come back to that here in a moment, Tyler. But uh, rounding it out to 117, we'll hear from Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners as he'll be discussing the markets, specifically some of the moves we've seen in the soybean complex. Going back to 12.45, before I toss it back to you, Tyler, we're having a little bit of a discussion here in the office of how to say that flower. I say it, poinsettia. But I, apparently other people say it differently. What's your take? Well, I was also very curious because I've heard you say it, and then Alex said earlier today, I've always thought you were supposed to say it poinsettia, 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 not poinsietta, whatever you're saying. What do you, what do you Jason, what do you, you have? Poinsettia. Poinsettia. Bob, what about poinsetta. you? Poinsettia. 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 Okay, all right. Maybe it's just a Lincoln thing. Does that mean I'm wrong? Uh, well, you're outnumbered so far. I don't know if you're wrong, but you're just outnumbered, or we're all wrong. Who knows? But knows? Uh, Aren't point- you glad you asked? I am. I am, Jason. <laughs> Great start to midday so far. Great debate as well. Thank you, Bryce. Appreciate it. You got it. All right, let's turn over to uh, Jason and sports. A no bowl game coming up here for Husker football. Yeah, they decided to pull the plug on the season. I know there was some angst about that uh, online. Everyone seems to have an opinion on that. I'm okay with it. Uh, they're just three and five. Uh, the kids have had a long year. And even if they agreed to go to a bowl game, there's no guarantee that the game would happen sure. due to COVID. So I, I can see why they decided to shut it down. Here are my thoughts on this. Just real quick thoughts. And let me preface this by saying I understand why. They've been basically away from their family since, was it May, June, basically? So For a I get while. Uh, but let me just say this because I think Nebraska was a big part of uh, getting Big Ten football back and wanting to play and wanting to play. At this point, what's another week or two weeks so, again, I understand the reasoning behind it, but I just feel like uh, after raising the much stink that yep. they did, you maybe, complained. Yeah, yeah, you complained to play, mm-hmm. then you got to play, and then at the end you had a chance to play and you tapped out. Right. So. I'm just saying, but all right, very good. It's a crazy year. Also, we'll hear from Lexington uh, Zone, Nick Size. He's a member of the Doan men's basketball team. He was a part of that exhibition game last week when the Tigers took on Nebraska, and we'll get his thoughts about what it was like to be out there with the Huskers at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And not only playing at Pinnacle Bank Arena, and not only playing against the Huskers, but empty yeah. Pinnacle Bank Arena. That would be very, very odd. All right, very good. Uh, let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and uh, stocks not doing so hot so far. Stocks a little bit lower as concern grows about a, about new travel restrictions on the United Kingdom because of a new strain of coronavirus that could spread more quickly, more rapidly. Also, the House and Senate, of course, working on that uh, pandemic relief package. Details on those stories coming up. All right, thank you very much. 
The announcers at the Rural Radio Network must have been very good this year. Santa stopped by and filled our stockings with presents from area businesses. They're so full, we just have to share the love with you. Listen daily to call in to win gift certificates from Max Shortstop in Lexington or Skeeter Barnes in Kearney. Christmas came early at the Rural Radio Network. Be listening and it can come early to you too with our fun and games. It's time for regional ag weather update here on this beautiful Monday. And today is officially the first day of winter. And Paul, I don't think the, it feels like winter at all. It's not going to feel like winter. No, at least for the first few days here of winter, we're not going to feel like it. Uh, but by tomorrow night into Wednesday, another story, because uh, we will see a good blast of some Arctic air move in and make it feel like winter for at least a few days. But things looking up as we head towards Christmas, though. Also, tonight, the planets are going to align as well for the Christmas stars, also as known as, and should be good viewing for that, I would think. Exactly. Off to the southwest U.S., is I believe it's Saturn and Jupiter are the yes. two, yep. pattern, uh, mm-hmm. two uh, planets. Um, I know last, uh, on Friday night, I was going to a friend's game, place for the Husker game, and you could really see the difference in the distance with the two uh, planets in the sky, in the southwest sky. It was like mm. you know a 3D look. Because you know, usually you look up into the sky, it's there's just stars, and you really can't right. make out the diff- the distance. But you could really tell the difference with that, uh, the distance between the two planets. But yeah, southwest sky tonight, the two planets really close together, and it'll make it look like it's yeah, a Christmas star uh, on the first night of winter here. And no cloud coverage, so that's good news as well. But right now, as we were talking about, with it being the first day of winter, temperatures already in a good portion of our listening area in the 50s. Exactly, and that's above normal for this time of year already on these temperatures across the area. Most of Nebraska right now with temperatures in the low to mid-40s, but we do have some upper 40s to low 50s in the far southwest corner of Nebraska towards Imperial, and also in northeast Nebraska, and also much of northern Kansas with those temperatures in the upper 40s to low 50s. As warm as 55 right now, uh, Holyoke in northeast Colorado. Still uh, quite a bit of snow cover on the ground from about Lexington on into the Tri-Cities to Columbus and York, but otherwise the snow cover getting pretty sparse across the area, and that will be the case over the next few days. On this first day of winter, today will be sunny and right around 10 degrees warmer than average with the warm front edging to the east and some westerly downslope winds helping in that warm-up. Tomorrow will be our warmest day of the next seven, the first full day of winter as the ridge of high pressure moves overhead. Our nice temperatures will come, though, at a price of some stronger south winds ahead of low pressure tracking east across the northern plains. Big changes arrive tomorrow night into Wednesday with the strong Arctic cold front, a good chance of some north wind gusts of at least 50 to 55 with that storm and cold front moving through. So don't be surprised if we do get a high wind warning. Some snow showers also possible, but we're not going to see much snow. If snow develops, impacts will be more about some sudden restrictions in visibility. Any of the snow amounts on the light side and currently forecast to be about a half an inch or less. Wind chills will fall into the single digits above and below zero for Wednesday night into Thursday morning. That cold spell not going to last long. Christmas Eve day through the weekend look dry for us. Temperatures will be seasonal on Christmas Day before temperatures turn warmer than average for Christmas Day on into the weekend. That will continue in our long-term forecast. The mild temperatures continuing at least slightly above normal temperatures are likely this weekend through the first three days of the new year for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central U.S. Slightly above normal precipitation is likely for Nebraska and Kansas 
this weekend through January 3rd. Key weather factors impacting the markets include a dry forecast for Argentina and southern Brazil and heavy rain chances in central Brazil during the next week. Here in the U.S., the storm currently arriving in the Pacific Northwest will track mainly across the northern U.S. By midweek, a significant wind-driven snow event may unfold across the north-central U.S., particularly in the Dakotas. Sharply cold air and snow will trail a cold front into the Midwest and east. High temperatures on Christmas Day should remain below 20 in parts of the Great Lakes. By the weekend, freezes could reach into northern and possibly central Florida. For the Southern Plains wheat areas, mostly dry weather occurred this last weekend, except for eastern Texas. The next chances for isolated to scattered rain and snow will move through tomorrow and Wednesday with the best chances in the Central Plains. Generally drier weather is expected the rest of the week for the Southern Plains. Brazil's rain forecast shows a sharp difference. Northern through south-central areas are forecast to see heavy rain. Southern Brazil, especially the Rio Grande do Sul, will be dry. The lack of rain over south Brazil is a concern for possible drought impact and is caused by La Nina. Argentina crop areas had moderate rain this past weekend. The moisture benefit, though, a short-term one. Follow-up rain is likely Follow-up rain is lacking in the Argentina forecast. The next couple of weeks will be mainly dry with temperatures running above normal, a stressful pattern for corn and soybeans. So as we talked about last week, and as you just mentioned, no snow likely for Christmas. Exactly, because yeah, what snow we have is probably going to be gone here in the next few days, especially with today and tomorrow's temperatures. Okay, very good. For more weather information, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. All right, thank you very much, Paul. <laughs> Bipartisan efforts to support local businesses and livestock producers continued in Congress with the introduction of the Strengthening Local Processing Act by U.S. Senators John Thune of South Dakota and Jeff Merkley of Oregon on December 18th. Jonathan Haladic, Policy Director for the Center for Rural Affairs, says this is the next step in seeing small meat processors expand. About two months ago, we had a version of this bill introduced in the House but we needed to get a companion bill in the Senate. So we were very glad to see bipartisan support for a companion bill in the Senate, and we think that's very significant. The legislation, which was also introduced in the U.S. House of Representatives by Shelley Pingreen of Maryland and Jeff Fortenberry of Nebraska in September, seeks to address market disruptions created by the coronavirus pandemic. Haladic says the challenges producers and processors experienced in March and April haven't gone away. Well, we continue to hear from processors on the ground and from the livestock producers who work with them that the same challenges we began to see in, in March and April and May, those haven't gone away. Uh, in fact, wait times at our local lockers have just grown and they've gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And so uh, these processors are, are reaching out to their elected officials. These processors are working out, reaching out to organizations like the Center for Rural Affairs. And we're all talking about what some solutions are. And it's the same solutions we, we saw all along. It's the same solutions we saw that we needed to address at that point. And just to have that continuous, consistent, constant stream into those elected official offices, they know they need to act. And that's why we're seeing this introduced now. And the continued issue is funding and expansion for processors. Yeah, well, right now what we're hearing from producers is that uh, storage capacity remains an issue. Capital to fund that storage expansion remains a big issue. And so we would like to see this addressed immediately. And here at the center, we're also working on a bill at the state level that's going to help address this. But for Congress, we know they have a few things to work on here before the end of the year. And we know we're going to have to get right back at it 
in January. So we know it's going to be tough to get this in the current package that's moving forward. And if it's not, then we're going to have to get back in there in January, get the bill introduced and make sure this is something that Congress is thinking about moving forward. The Center for Rural Affairs is also working on a bill at the state level. Since in more than a dozen states, CARES Act funding was used to make equipment upgrades and to expand. A lot of states used CARES Act funding to help address challenges in the meat processing space. Um, dozen, more than a dozen states, in fact, created grant programs that would allow local meat lockers to access those programs to make equipment upgrades and to make storage improvements. Nebraska wasn't one of those states. And so what we are doing is working on legislation that will create a Nebraska-specific program specifically for Nebraska businesses. That legislation has more than just a grant program, though that legislation will also include a broadened custom-exempt package that's going to make it a little bit easier for consumers to, to decide where their meat is going to be processed and how that meat is going to be purchased. Because we know that in addition to getting those grant dollars in place to improve storage facilities, we're also going to need to relieve the bottleneck by focusing on how that meat is being processed and who's able to do that. And so we're working on a piece of legislation that has two of these pieces, and we're going to try to get that introduced in January as well. The center is working with Senator Tom Brandt on the Nebraska bill. The national bill, the Strengthening Local Processors Act, has a grant program to help cover costs associated with meeting federal and state inspection guidelines and to assist processors in expanding their infrastructure would be established. Additionally, the bill invests in the next generation of small meat processors by offering grants to train small plant operators and employees. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Nebraska has determined it will not participate in a bowl game this season. Huskers decided to call it a year after beating Rutgers on Friday night, winning that one and finishing up the year at 3-5. and Nebraska is one of several Big Ten teams that decided not to go bowling. Notre Dame's loss to Clancy's ACC title game didn't stop the Irish from landing a spot in the college football playoff semifinals. Notre Dame was picked over Texas A&M for the final berth and will take on Alabama on January 1st. The other game has Clemson battling Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl on New Year's Day. Fighting Irish are the first team to lose a conference title game and still make the selection committee's final four. Lexington freshman Nick Size has already seen plenty of playing time for the Doan men's basketball squad. Size has appeared in all 15 games for the Tigers, making eight starts. He's averaging about four points and two rebounds per game. Last week, Size and the rest of the Tigers got a chance to play Nebraska, and he says that was pretty cool. I mean, it was a great experience, and like I don't think we'll ever, no one's ever had anything like that besides the dudes last year that played Nebraska. But for me coming in, I've never had anything like that. And, playing people that good it was just it was good for us size says when he hit the court it was a little intimidating it was yeah i was kind of starstruck and just being there all day playing there playing with against those guys it was it was just like it was really challenging but it was fun size is averaging about 17 minutes of playing time per game my complete interview with him can be found on the podcast page at krvn.com for the first time since the 2008 season, the New England Patriots will not make the playoffs or win the division. And for the first time since 2000, the opening year of Bill Belichick's reign in Foxborough, the Patriots will not have a winning record. New England has the NFL's longest string in making the postseason 11 seasons, all with some guy named Tom Brady quarterback. Dallas holds the NFL mark with 20 straight seasons with a winning record. Minus Brady, the Patriots will fall one year short of that. 
and hockey is set to return on January 13th after the NHL and the players completed a deal yesterday to hold a 56-game season that will include playoffs lasting into July to award the Stanley Cup. The league's Board of Governors voted to approve the agreement that was backed by the NHL Players Association Executive Board on Friday night. The regular season is scheduled to go through May with a 16-team playoff to follow. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com. It's time for midday news. Ellen Simmons has now joined me. As uh, words are fun sometimes, you know, Ellen. Good gracious! It's a Monday, I suppose. At least my mouth thinks that. Uh, Listen, I've been asking everybody else this, so I might as well ask you as well. Christmas is a few days away. I'm sure you probably know by now. Uh, Is all of your Christmas shopping done? Mm, Yes, because most of the other stuff I have to do now is handmade. Oh, okay. Now you're running out of time, though. Are these Don't timely things? Me. Yes, it is. Um, but it's okay. Did I'll you wrap everything already? N- no. I wrapped something this morning. It was for my mother-in-law. Okay. I'm going to have to rewrap it because the, there's a part of it that doesn't fit in the box. Oh. It's like sticking out the corner. <laughs> so, and I couldn't find a box <laughs> to fit it. So I don't know. I might have to find a different box or just try to figure out how to re- re-wrap it. All right, so I will so. not go to you for wrapping tips, apparently. Yeah, don't come to me. Okay, very good. <laughs> uh, good news there. Uh, get, tell us what we have so far to start off this Monday for news. Well, Governor Peter Ricketts held a briefing Monday on the state's vaccination distribution plan. Dr. Kevin Richmouth, a local pulmonologist, went to the podium to talk about how the newly developed corona, corona, excuse me, coronavirus vaccines work. So simply what you do is you take the code that, that codes for that spike protein in the, that the coronavirus uses to infect our cells, and you put that in a lipid nanoparticle. That's what that circle with the little lines rec- uh, represent. It comes into the cell. Then it uses your own machinery to generate just that spike protein. So what you're doing is, like somebody said on a Twitter I saw, it's like you're sending an email to your cells with how to defeat the virus. Dr. Richmuth also says allergies from the vaccination appear to be occurring at a rate more than with an influenza vaccination. Dr. Richmuth says if you have a history of allergies to vaccines, you should speak with your health care provider to decide what is the best for your individual health. The latest virus numbers continued to improve in Nebraska on Sunday, with the number of virus hospitalizations remaining below 600. The state said 582 people were being treated in hospitals for COVID-19 on Sunday, which was down from 598 the day before. The number has been steadily declining since setting a a record of 987 on November 20th, but it remains more than two and a half times higher than what it was on October 1st currently, 14% of the state's hospital beds are occupied by coronavirus patients. If the seven-day rolling average of that figure remains below 15%, the state may further relax its social distancing restrictions. Four Midwestern universities have formed a space-oriented academic and research alliance aimed at luring the U.S. Space Command headquarters to Offutt Air Force Base in Nebraska. The Omaha World Herald reports that the University of Nebraska President Ted Carter says the partnership with the University of North Dakota, Kansas State University, and Purdue would develop new degree programs and research initiatives. Office is among the six finalists to become the headquarters. Other finalists are Kirtland Air Force Base in New Mexico, 
Patrick Air Force Base in Florida, Peterson Air Force Base in Colorado, Redstone Army Airfield in Alabama, and the former Kelly Air Force Base in Texas. Well, more than one million people have passed through U.S. airport security checkpoints in each of the past two days, and a sign that public health pleas to avoid holiday travel are being ignored. AAA spokeswoman Jeanette McGee said since Thanksgiving, the CDC has updated its travel recommendations. If you are traveling, they encourage you to take a test, a COVID test, about one to three days before you travel, and then another one three to five days after you return. And of course, when you do return to reduce non-essential activities. Health officials fear the pandemic will get even worse if people don't stay at home. Hospitals in many areas are being overwhelmed amid this largest outbreak of COVID-19 in the U.S. since March. You can find more news at krbn.com. All right, thank you very much, Ellen. Most of us count the number of days until Christmas. 31, 30, 29, come on. But if you're so excited that you're counting the hours... I love Christmas! 106.9 Frosty FM is for you. Central Nebraska's 24-7 Christmas station. Also heard on 93.1 HD2, KRVN.com, and the River app. With one Christmas song after another. (laughs) 106.9 Frosty FM. Poinsettia care can be a year-round process if you're doing it right. And today we're learning more about poinsettia care with Kathleen Q. Kathleen, you are a Nebraska Extension Educator in the Horticulture Division. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So we were talking before we came on air that there are two important things that consumers should know right away when they bring their plants home. What are those two things? The number one thing on that list should be where they place the plant inside the home uh, or if you take it to the office, where it gets placed there in the office. And these plants really don't appreciate any kind of a draft of any kind. And so if it's a drafty window or it's close to any kind of a furnace vent or intake, then those are going to be places that you don't want to place the plant because they just don't handle that kind of conditions very well. Perfect. And we were also talking about the size of the pot, which probably isn't something that we think about because it comes in its own pot. But what's important to know about that? The really important thing there is that a lot of times um, the pot is undersized for the size of the plant. And so that means then that that potting soil is chock full of roots. There's just roots throughout that potting mix there. And so what that means then is that there's more roots, there's less space for potting soil. If there's less space for potting soil, the ability or chance of it to dry out too soon is much higher. And so poinsettias really can't stand being dried out really at all. And a lot of times what you'll notice is if you've let it go too long is the entire plant will just collapse. If you rewater at that point, the plant will beef up again those leaves to a certain extent, but not all of them will. And so you'll start losing leaves from the plant. And so if you're seeing a lot of leaf loss on the plant, maybe adjusting of how that plant is watered is going to be really a key thing there. And um, you can check that almost on a daily basis to see how much water you need to add by touching the soil surface. If it feels dry, then add some water. The water comes out the bottom of that pot, and a lot of times those pots have foil coverings on the bottom of them to kind of decorate that plant. And you don't want to leave that plant just sitting in that water because then you can get root rot developing. And so you can let that water drain out the bottom into that foil 
wait about an hour or so, and then take the foil off and dump it into the sink and re put that foil back in place. Wonderful information. Well, Kathleen, a poinsettia is something that we think about during the holiday season. We think about the traditional red or white ones, but it's actually a plant that we can be taking care of year-round. So what are some important things to keep in mind after we wrap up the holiday season? The, the main thing to consider is just uh, keeping it going well inside the home. And again, the same things apply. Keep it out of drafts and water it regularly. And then as we moved into spring, the plant can be set outdoors after all danger of frost is passed. And at that point, it's really helpful to cut all the stems back by half. And when you do that, you'll get a fuller plant that grows out from that point from then on. And you'll leave it outside all during the summer months and water it as needed. Then come about September, you can bring it inside the house, and it needs to go into a closet that gets no leakage of light around the door. So even if it's a door that's a little bit up off the floor and there's a gap down there, that's going to need to be plugged up in order to keep that light out. And so sometimes people stuff rags or something like that. And what then you'll do is that it will need to be in the closet during the night hours and then brought outside or out to the window during the daytime hours. And you do that back and forth in September until those leaves are beginning to show those red colors. And once that occurs, then you don't need to go do that back and forth thing anymore. You can just put it in a bright window and those, that color will continue to develop. We're visiting with Kathleen Q. She's a Nebraska Extension educator in the Horticulture Division about all things poinsettia care. And Kathleen, poinsettias are such a bright spot during the holiday season. Are there any tips that we miss that are important to mention? Um, there's some really wonderful new colors on the market these days. I mean, you can get anything from reds spattered with white speckles to uh, pink-colored poinsettias, salmon-colored ones, white ones. I mean, there's a huge variety out there. So if you're not a big fan of the red, keep looking because there will be other colors that, that come on the market that may be something that be, would be better suited to your decor or something that you just think is more festive-looking than the usual red. So there's really not any one style of them. The, the big thing I would say, though, is you see a lot of the spray-painted ones in the stores that are spray-painted blue and then, and then thrown through glitter. And that's just really hard on the plants, and those tend not to live very long. Well, Kathleen, as we round out this conversation, for people who might be interested in taking care of that plant year-round, is there a website that they can go to to get that information? Um, they can certainly go to the Nebraska Extension publications page, and there will be, they can just type in the word poinsettias, and there will be a search engine there you can do there that will bring up all the publications everyone has ever written about poinsettias, and they can get lots of good info about how to take care of their plants. All right. Wonderful information. Thanks so much, Kathleen. Yeah, thank you. Again, we've been joined by Kathleen Q. She's a Nebraska Extension educator in the Horticulture Division. And don't forget that you can take care of that poinsettia year-round, not just during the holiday season. And you can visit Nebraska Extension's website for more information. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the business report for this Monday, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks are broadly lower on Wall Street. 
as concern grows about new travel restrictions on the United Kingdom because of a new strain of coronavirus that could spread more rapidly. At Dow's 30 industrials were up about 41 points, the Nasdaq Composite down 29, and the S&P 500 down about 17. The House and Senate are expected today to vote on a $900 billion pandemic relief package. It would establish a temporary $300 per week supplemental jobless benefit and a $600 direct stimulus payment to most Americans, along with a new round of subsidies for hard-hit businesses and money for schools, health care providers, and renters facing eviction. Trucks of Britain are backing up for miles, and people are stranded at airports. Many countries are imposing stringent travel restrictions over concerns about a new strain of the coronavirus that authorities say may spread more easily. A growing number of countries are halting air travel from the, U- from the U.K., France has banned trucks from the U.K. for 48 hours while the new variant is assessed. The European Medicines Agency is meeting to consider approving a coronavirus vaccine developed by BioNTech and Pfizer that would be the first to be authorized for use in the European Union. The closed-doors meeting comes weeks after the shot was granted permission under emergency provisions by regulators in Britain and the United States. If EMA scientists conclude that the vaccine is safe, officials at the Amsterdam-based agency are expected to give conditional approval for it to be used across the 27-nation bloc. China's government is calling on Washington not to enforce a measure that might expel Chinese companies from U.S. stock exchanges if they fail American government audits. The law signed Friday by President Donald Trump is a response to complaints that Chinese companies were failing to comply with stricter U.S. government oversight imposed following the 2008 global financial crisis. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Did you ever ride your bike with a clothespin and a baseball card? Or use a typewriter for a school paper? Then here's a timely alert. Americans born from 1945 to 1965 are five times more likely to have hepatitis C, which often has no symptoms, but is a leading cause of liver cancer. The good news? Treatments are available that can cure hepatitis C. Talk with your doctor about getting a blood test for hepatitis C. Know for sure. A message from the CDC. Bryce Duskin on the Rural Radio Network, and today we are joined by Jeff Peterson, the president of Heartland Farm Partner. Jeff, always appreciate uh, you coming in to, to talk the markets with us. You know, it's always fun. There's always something to talk about, especially this time of year. Well, there is uh, kind of a big one in the soybean side to talk about, and that's the fact that we're above $12. What do you make uh, of the prices we're at right now, and what's it going to take to stay above that $12 mark? Yeah, it was really great that we were finally able to break above that level. If we really look back, uh, what it's going to continue to take to stay above it, Bryce, would be we're going to have to continue to see exports which we've had good export demand going forward. And we've got that concern about weather that's coming out of South America. And and it kind of looks like that's going to stick around. So if those two things are in play, and I think as we go forward, it'll be a greater and greater focus on the weather. That should keep us above the $12 level. Now, we don't want to get complacent because we know things can always change. But that's at least at this time what it looks like. On the export side, what are you seeing right now? You know, so far it's been really good, uh, and that's part of the thing that helped us kind of break through that $12 level back on last Thursday is that exports came in strong again. Uh, China showed up as a buyer. Now, they're not showing up in the daily reporting system, but we're actually catching them in the weekly report that comes out on Thursday. And to believe it or not, we're already at 90% of what we expect to be for exports for soybeans for the full year. Now, when I talk about the full year, that's the crop year from September 1st all the way through August 31st. So we've, we've got a lot of export sales on the books, 
And the nice part, Bryce, is we're continuing to also ship those. We've got a really strong ship pace going also. Tell us what's going on in Argentina with strikes and the effect that you're going to see uh, because of those. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that. And this strike, it seems like every year about this time of the year, we hear about the dock workers. And just so happens that this year we've also got some of the individuals from the crush plants are also taking part. Normally those strikes don't last too long because what they end up saying is, hey, we'll negotiate if we get back to work or if you go back to work. And actually it's holding on a little bit longer. I think it gives us some short-term boost in demand because if anybody's out there looking for some soybean oil or soybean meal, then they can come to the U.S. and that looks like a good place to be able to pick up uh, that product. I think longer term, though, it doesn't have a real big impact because eventually they'll go ahead and come to terms with each other and they'll get back to crushing. So in the short term, gives us boost. Long term, it isn't a big deal. We go from Argentina to Russia now. What are you seeing there? I know there's some th something that's going to kick in on February 1st that you're watching. Yeah, they're going to go ahead and put an export tax on soybeans. Now, it isn't a big deal. And just to kind of put it in perspective, our research would suggest that Russia would put out about 50 million bushels of exports this last year. Kind of looks like the export tax are talking about putting on would impact that and reduce it about 25 million bushels. But at a time when soybeans are really tight all across the bush, all across the world, every little bit of soybeans matters. And so that, that helps bring some support to the market also. As we round out today's conversation, what kind of factors are you watching in this holiday week uh, as uh, the trade kicks off today? Yeah, the biggest thing we're probably got our eyes on is South American weather. It looks like they're going to pick up a little bit better rains in, in northern Brazil, a little bit drier conditions over in Argentina. But some of the things that we're watching is that it looks like it could maybe turn back a little bit drier again back in Mato Grosso. Now, that's a change from what we were actually seeing going home on Friday. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that. What advice do you have for people looking at uh, their marketing as we enter the new year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing to kind of look at is if you got some bushels to move, um, this is a time there's some really good basis levels, keep an eye out for that. And then also start working on your marketing plan, start getting those pieces put in place because there'll be some opportunities for us after we get past the first part of the year. And especially as we start seeing some of our own weather concerns come into play. Jeff Peterson, the president of Heartland Farm Partners, joining us in the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Brian Stuskit reporting. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, a strong close across the board, once again being led by soybeans. Even though we continue to see the Sunday night fade, was it the fact the stimulus getting passed, strong export demand? What continues to drive this market today? Well, I think the reminder, you know, you get export inspections like we did this morning, just massive again. And just a reminder that demand is good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of breakfast, Brexit fears and macro fears, but, you know, we've kind of already gone through that door when it comes to shutdowns and lockdowns. I don't think the market's too scared of it anymore, at least the grain markets. You know, livestock's a little different. Hit the slot or something, you know, you're actually processing product, but it takes people to do that. Whereas in grain storage, you just set it there, you know, we're not harvesting right now. Um, you know, and the values of the globe are, are very firm. So you see the market break on the overnight. We're 10 off the lows into that. you got to think we rally or at least stay here until the USDA report, which I think is uh, the 8th or the 11th. I'm not, I'm, I should know that off the top of my head, but I know it's a couple of weeks down the road. And that's where we'll get grain stocks and we'll get, uh, you know, the whole gamut of everything outside of basically acreage. Um, so, you know, this market I doubt is going anywhere until we figure out what, what supplies we're going to have on hand for the next six to seven months. 
you know, we talk about the fact going into the Christmas holiday, New Year's. Typically, this is a time of lighter volatility, but yet we saw some decent moves, especially on the option side of the soybean yeah. pit here today. Does that look to continue here through the first of the year? Yeah, I mean, I don't really like to say that things are quiet this time of year. They tend to not be. And, and in fact, I think if you look at the season over the last five years, we've done really well. Prices have rallied into the end of the year. Uh, and I think in this case, they've lagged so much all year. I mean, even with the 425 or 440 close today, I mean, look at where we are relative to the rest of the complex. I mean, soybeans have, you know, popped 30% just from, from their lows. And I think corn, you know, on a relative basis has more to go. Uh, you know, I think it's important we're driving and, you know, not trying to, you know, put a put a damper on anything here. I think the market has a lot more upside if we can start driving and using more gasoline again and putting some pressure on the energy side. I think the news that we get like last night, that's that's where it's tough. You know, I mean, if we're going to lock down again, uh, you know, the, the, the worry here is really if you get locked down, if you're a country that locks down, you better have some stuff. And by that meaning, you know, raw materials on hand because – if we're going to stop shipping, and that sounds like what they're doing in the U.K., you can see some real snarly markets here where you see shortages pop up across the globe. And, and as I've said over over again, we have not seen anything like that, I mean, really seven, eight, nine years at, at the least. So the thing could be back in vogue here. That is John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, train future and options involve risk of loss. And that'll wrap up Midday on this Monday edition. You can catch our Midday podcast available at krvn.com.